we shall rejoice and we shall be glad in it. Has God been good to you? Has God blessed you? Wait a minute, that's about five, buddy. Let me ask one more time. Has God blessed you? All right, let's go down the line. Did the Lord wake you up this morning? Did the Lord put breath in your body? Did he allow you to wake up in at least half of your right mind? Amen, somebody? <laughs> if that be true, then our God is worthy of our, of our praise. It is so good to see all of you uh, this morning as we are giving God our best and our praise. We are so thankful for all of those that have led us in our worship of this morning. Um, it is just so invigorating when you come together with the people of God and sing praises unto God. You know, sometimes you come to church and you just feel down. But when you get in the sanctuary and you hear other folks singing and praising God, it's just something about that that gives you some energy to think that maybe I can make it just one more day. Amen, somebody? Uh, listen, I want to uh, echo some of the uh, things that were announced, and that is um, specifically toward our, our youth and them going to camp. Uh, as already mentioned, a $25 a deposit is due today, either online or to Brother Powers for that as well as family, we need a female chaperone to help chaperone our youth to camp. That is very important that we have, uh, you know, our females, our girls going. We really would like for a female to chaperone. So if you believe you are available and willing to do so, would you please get with Brother Powers um, after uh, worship this morning, as well as, as already announced on Wednesday, we will be um, having plates available for you. And they tell me this Wednesday is going to be barbecued chicken. Hey Amen. I got my $5. Amen, somebody. Amen. Amen. I might bring $10. Amen. Barbecued chicken uh, this Wednesday. So come out and get a physical meal and a spiritual meal as well on Wednesday. Just pick the kids up, bring them on down here. We're going to feed them, we're going to teach them, and we're just going to have a good time in the Lord. Um, uh, we also want for you to know that there are those of you that have so graciously uh, said that you would be willing to sponsor a child either in part or in whole, and you have made those verbal commitments to Brother Powers. If you could please today uh, go ahead and fulfill your commitment to him. That is, if you have said that I would like to help sponsor a child that might be want to go but in need to go, um, if you would please fulfill those um, um, those things today, we really would appreciate it. Um, as well as if there is a person here that is in need, that is you uh, have a child that wants to go to camp, but you are unable to either pay the full amount or any amount at all for your child to go to camp. Uh, we're asking for you as well to get with Brother Powers so that we can help you uh, in that endeavor. Now, we do want to put something with that. That is, uh, we're not just going to give and not expect something, okay? Uh, that is, we are willing to help your child in your child or children going to camp, but we want to make sure that they are available during our um, uh, uh, fundraisers. That is, we don't just want to be a per be uh, giving but not expecting. You never want to be in a relationship where you find yourself doing all the giving, but you don't expect anything in return. And so we are willing to help in that endeavor, but we also want to see the children that are in need also participating in our fundraisers. Does that make sense? Uh, because we want to make sure that we're always, you never want to be in that. Don't ever find yourself in a relationship that you think is healthy. Any relationship is unhealthy when you're doing all the giving but no receiving. Amen, somebody. That'll bless your marriage. That'll bless your relationship with your children. Never, ever. Listen, listen. Mama, I want them shoes. 
<laughs> you can get the shoes, but I need that yard cut. Amen, somebody. Come on now. Amen. Amen. You know, I want them clothes. Yeah, I know you want the clothes, but I need some clothes that need folding. Y'all get what I'm saying to you? Yeah, don't ever find yourself in a situation where you're doing all the giving, but you're not expecting anything. That's very toxic. Amen. Okay, so listen, we're going to give, but we also expect. You ready for the word this morning? Matthew chapter 18 is where I want to, y'all want you to meet me this morning. So if you would, meet me in Matthew uh, chapter number uh, 18. And I want to uh, begin reading at verse number 15, a very practical um, uh, uh, text, um, but I think one that will help us. This is our third week in dealing with the idea of forgiveness or healing in our relationships. And so, uh, and we'll be here next week as well. But join us in Matthew chapter 18, verse number 15. Are we there? If you're there, say amen. All right? All right, here we go. If your brother sins against you, go and rebuke him in private. If he listens to you, you have won your brother. But if he won't listen to you, Take one or two more with you, so that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every fact may be established. If he pays no attention to them, tell the church. But if he doesn't pay attention even to the church, let him be like an unbeliever and a tax collector to you. I assure you, whatever you bind on earth is already bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth is already loosed in heaven. Again, I assure you, if two of you on earth agree about any matter that you pray for, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, we love you. And Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity to open your word and study your word. And so Father, we ask you at this time, that you might be with our hearts, that we might be able to receive the word that is about to be preached. Oh, Father God, help us all, from the pulpit to the pews, help us all to be better Christians for you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Listen, I want to take you back, for some of us a couple of years, for some of us not so close. Uh, that is, I want to take you back. Do you remember a time uh, when you were in school... Uh, you know, it's amazing what you remember about school. Does anybody remember perhaps when you were in Algebra 2? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I know, amen, somebody. Somebody, no, Ross, I don't remember that. That's, <laughs> all right. <laughs> but you, uh, yeah, you in Algebra 2, and you remember when you sat there and while the teacher was teaching, uh, you, you were taking notes and, you know, you looked like you understood what was going on. <laughs> And the one thing you did not want the teacher to do is call on you. Amen. You didn't want that. Yeah, you didn't want them to call on you. The same would be said even in reading class. You remember, now this is elementary now, you remember in reading class how, now this is old school. See, we didn't have iPads that read for you and all that. You remember old school where the teacher was in the front of class? Y'all, come on now, son. If you're over 25, you know what I'm talking about. Come on, talk back to me. Listen, the teacher sat at the front of class. And remember, the teacher would start reading, and then she would point to you. That mean that you read next. 
And you, amen, and you remember, you used to be right there. You used to stay with her, right? Because you knew that when she called you, that she was going to want for you to be able to pick up reading right where she left off. Amen, somebody. You remember that it was a couple of times, amen, you and your friend might have been playing around or doing something, and she called your name, and you... (laughs) (laughs) And your teacher looked at you and said, are you paying attention? That's the same question Jesus has this morning. That his disciples had been with him now for two years, learning from him, walking with him. And with all of that, seeing him perform miracles and listening to his Sermon on the Mount, all of that education, practical teaching, His disciples have the nerve to ask him, Jesus, whenever your kingdom comes, who's going to be the greatest? As long as you've been with me and as much as you've seen from me, the best question that you can come up with to ask me is who's going to be the greatest? And you ask me who's going to be the greatest, not so that you could be number one and serve people, but you want to know who's going to be the greatest so that I could tell you that you're the greatest so that you could look at yourself as being above people and people being beneath you. Can I be clear with you? Be very careful worrying about who the greatest is. That is a toxic idea for us to even think, who's the greatest? Because Jesus would illustrate it this way. When they ask Jesus who's going to be the greatest, Jesus calls over a little child. And he sits the little child down right by him, and he says, you know what? If you want to be great, you need to become like this little child. Amen, somebody. Now, that might catch us off guard, but that is Jesus is saying to us as we exegete the text, He's not suggesting that we become like the little child physically or developmentally, but he's saying, I want for you to become like children temperamentally. Y'all get what I'm saying to you? Now, understand what I mean by that. Let me illustrate that this way. I remember, listen, listen, amen. I won't tell you what level of school I was in because then you'll know, amen. Listen, listen, listen. But I remember we were in school and we had just got out of basketball practice. And y'all... Two of my teammates had taken an issue from on the court into the locker room. And before you knew it, somebody had thrown a punch, and it was on and popping. It was on and popping. Listen, fought, 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 got up, mad at each other. We got on the bus, mad at each other. And then we get back to our other school, and when we get to our school, I turn one corner, and I see one boy that just fought walking this way, and I see another boy behind me that he just fought walking up behind me. I walk up to this one. I say, look here, bro. Uh, listen, um, you might not want to go. See, I saw what he just did to you. Amen, somebody. Amen. You, you might not want to go that way. He said, man, get out of my way. I'm going that way. I was like, well, go on, go on. You can go right on ahead. 
But what was interesting was when I turned around, they were walking together. I said, y'all were just fighting. Now, how are y'all walking together? And it taught me the same lesson then that Jesus is teaching now. Family, isn't it amazing that when we were younger, when we were children, how we could get into it with somebody? And one minute later, the person that you were mad at, now you best friends with. Amen, somebody. Come on now. And if you grew up in a house of more than just you, you might get into it with your brother or sister or all of them. But in two, three minutes, y'all back playing just like, hey, man, somebody could hit you. And you right back playing with them. And here it is. Isn't it interesting that we get older and we're supposed to get smarter and we're supposed to get wiser? But it doesn't seem like that happens all the time, does it? That is, that is things that we used to forgive when we were younger. Why does it seem that as we get older and apparently more mature, that stuff that we used to let go, now we hold on to? That is, when somebody used to talk about you, you would forgive that, but now somebody even look at you wrong, you don't talk to them for three weeks. Somebody used to slander your name or backbite against you. And listen, you would be talking to them next week, but now people that you grew up in the same house with, you won't even talk to anymore. And the question becomes, why is that? And Jesus is simply suggesting to us, if you want to be great, you must learn to have the temperament of a child. Well, Jesus, why are you telling us this? Jesus is telling us this because Jesus knows in about a year, I'm going to the cross. Excuse me. I'm going to the cross of Calvary. I'm not going to be around here forever, but I know one thing. I know that y'all are going to have some issues when I leave. And knowing that y'all are going to have some issues when I leave, I need to instruct y'all that guess what? One day y'all going to offend each other. One day somebody is going to do something to the other person. One day somebody going to say something somebody doesn't like. One day somebody is going to do ministry in a way that you might not agree with. So before you get there, I need to teach you how to mend your relationships when people do stuff against you that you don't like. Amen, somebody. And so this morning, family, I have to, if I'm going to be honest with the text, I have to continue in that same vein. Let me be very clear with my, my uh, 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 thesis from the outset. My thesis this morning is, what do you do when somebody in Christ offends you? How do you respond when someone in Christ offends you? Here's the beautiful part. Jesus gives us the outline, amen, somebody, on what to do when church folk. Okay, all right, all right. Here it is. You ready? Matthew chapter 18. Here it is. Let's go verse by verse. Let's work it verse by verse. All right. All right, here it is. Number one, he says, if a brother sins against you. Now, now understand, in Jewish thinking, there's a difference between a neighbor and a brother. Uh, neighbor speaks about a person that is of same nationality. Y'all get that? Neighbor. Uh, but when you talk about a brother, a brother is someone that is of the same religion. 
Did y'all get the difference? So when Jesus is talking about if your brother sins against you, he's talking about someone that is of your same religious family, right? So now we understand he's talking about what? How you deal with church folk. Y'all got that? All right. So if your brother does what? Sins what? Against you. Notice how Jesus opens this up by saying, listen, first of all, before you ever mention anything, you need to be certain of the fact that what your brother has done is a sin. Lord, have mercy. Well, come on. Yeah. That is, now what does that do for me? That takes out personal preference. That takes out, that takes out my ideology or what I think. Or, or my history, or what I've always heard was a sin. He said, no, 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 no. In order for you to, first of all, go to your brother, you must first establish that what your brother has done, according to God, is sinful. Jesus Christ. All right, y'all, so y'all got that. Now, what do we do? It's a brother that has done something against the will of God. Y'all, are we there so far? Okay, a brother that has done something against the will of God. He says, go and rebuke him in private. Let me say it one more time. A brother that, according to the word of God, has committed a sin against you. What you do is you first establish by the word of God that it is a sin, And then secondly, you take that to your brother. Let me say it this way. Can I tell you what he did say by what he didn't say? Notice he did not say, take it to two, three other people. First, then go to your brother. He says, the first thing you do, you establish it's a sin And then you take the issue directly to your brother. Amen, somebody, to your brother. Now, why does Jesus do that? Let me be very clear. Married folk, listen to me. Listen to me. Please listen to me. If you got a boyfriend or girlfriend, listen to me. Please listen to me. I'm about to say something that's going to bless your life. You ready for it? Can't nobody get in your relationship that you don't allow in. Can I say it one more time? Nobody can get into your relationship that you do not open up the door and allow into your relationship. Now, can I say who that includes? That includes your mama? Preach, Ross. Amen, somebody. That includes your mother-in-law. That includes your daddy. That includes his sister, his brother, her sister, her brother. Nobody can get in your relationship that you do not first allow or invite into your relationship. The first person that you need to get things right with is your brother or your sister. Do not invite other people in the business that ain't got nothing to do with them. Amen, son. All right? All right. All right. All right. So, so first of all, you go to your brother. Now, watch this now. If he listens to you, you have won your brother. So first of all, he deals with instructions. Then he, secondarily, he deals with attitude. Your attitude for even approaching somebody, it is not to condemn them. It is not to harm them. It is not even to expose them. 
It is not to demean them or degrade them or belittle them or to prove how right you are and how wrong they are. Jesus says your motivation for going to them should be based upon the premise of I want to restore you. Y'all get that? I want to help you. I want to aid you. I want to build you up. I want to strengthen you. So you ready for it? What you need to do before you go to them is make sure you your attitude. Now, wait a minute, Ross. All right, bro, listen. I went to him, just like you said. And, bro, it ain't work out like you said. Uh, so what's next? Mm-hmm. Verse 16, but if he won't listen to you, you take one or two more with you so that by the testimony of two or three witnesses, every fact may be established. If he don't listen to you when it's y'all, Next thing you do is you take two or three more people with you. Why? So that every fact might be what? Established. Okay, wait, wait, Lord. You mean you want me to take two or three more people with me? Got you. Now notice something, because I got to get this caveat. Listen, but you got to watch who you take. If your heart is really set on restoring or healing, or building, you're not going to go get the person they got into it with last week. Okay, all right. If you notice other brother or sister got a problem with them, you don't take them along. All right, all right, all right. Ross, is that the Bible, or is that just you? Go to Galatians 6. I want to show you what I'm talking about. Go to Galatians chapter number 6. I just want to show you, all right? Yeah, take two or three with you, but you better watch who you take. I'm going to tell you something. Something that could have been handled real easy. You bring two folk up in here. Hold up, Brian. <laughs> Amen. All right, listen. Listen. Galatians 6.1. You ready? Right. Galatians 6.1. You ready? Brothers, if someone is caught in any wrongdoing, you, which are spiritual, should restore such a person with a gentle spirit. So when you go to this person and they don't listen the first time, and you get ready to take two or three with you, make sure that you take two or three spirit-filled people with you. You ready? That are about restoring people with a spirit of gentleness. Now, wait a minute now, y'all. Hey, man, somebody. Can anybody in here remember back in the day when you about to get into it? Uh, hey, man, hey, you needed a crew. You knew that it was certain people that you should call. And you wasn't calling the folk that was going to cool it down. You wanted somebody that was going to turn up. Amen, somebody. Amen, that's my ride or die. That's who you went after. Why? Because you weren't looking to cool it down. You were looking to bring it up. Jesus says, no, don't go to anybody trying to turn up. You need to be coming to people to reconcile a relationship in a spirit of gentleness. Y'all get that? Amen. All right. All right. All right. So what happens? But Ross, I go get one person. I took it to him. But Ross, I took two or three with me. 
spiritual people that were looking to restore. And we sat, we prayed together. And this person still is set on their wrongdoing. But Ross, what do we do next? Look at the text. Mm. But if he does not pay, I'm rather, if he, so we take two or three. Then he says this, wait a minute. So that by the testimony of two or three witnesses, every fact may be confirmed. Why do we take two or three along with us? Can I help you right there? Go to Deuteronomy. If you look in your Bible, you'll notice that that text, it's highlighted. The reason it's highlighted is because it's a quote directly from Jesus, or rather a quote directly from the Old Testament. So go to the book of Deuteronomy, and I want to show you exactly what I'm talking about. Deuteronomy 19.15. Deuteronomy 19.15. We take two or three along with us. Ross, why do we take the two or three along with us? It is for the purpose of restoration. But if it's also for the purpose of restoration, why in the world do I need two or three people with me? Deuteronomy 19.15 will explain that. You ready? One witness cannot establish any wrongdoing or sin against a person, whatever that person has done. A fact must be established by the testimony of what? There it is. Two or what? Three witnesses. So any fact, anything against somebody, how many folks you got to have? Two or three? Not people that think they saw, but you got to have wit. Amen. Eyewitnesses. Y'all got that? Why is that? Look at verse number 16. It's a reason why. Because if a malicious witness testifies, accusing him, the two people in the dispute must stand in the presence of the Lord before the priests and authorities at that time. And the judges are to make a careful investigation. And if the witness turns out to be a liar who has falsely accused his brother, you must do to him as he intended to do to his brother. You must purge evil. What is he saying? The reason you take two or three witnesses and one witness is not enough is because it's some people that just have it out for other people. It's some people that will just make up anything to assassinate the character and influence of another person. So God says in order to alleviate that, you cannot just come and bring a charge by yourself. So what do you do? Now you take two or three people along with you. Why? So that every fact might be confirmed. That is, those people's responsibility secondarily is to make sure that you just not out to be after that person. Y'all got that? Amen. Hey, Lord have mercy. Y'all got quiet. Is that, listen, 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 listen. You ain't never heard of nobody just being after somebody. And it's like, bruh, it sounds like to me you just don't like them. No, it ain't that. It ain't that. No, no bruh, no, it is. It sounds like to me you just don't like them. And I'm going to tell you something. You know what a tap of church faster than anything? When you get a church full of people that accuse people of stuff they never did in the first place. Amen, somebody. Okay, all right, all right. So I took two or three along with me, Ross. Look at the next one. He says, and if that don't work, if he pays no attention, what do you do next? Tell the church. But if he doesn't pay attention even to the church, let him be like a what? Unbeliever and a what? Tax collector. If I want to help us right along in here. What is God's plan for us? If a brother or sister sins, what are you supposed to do, number one? 
Take it to them. Y'all got that? Establish this a sin and do what? Take it to them. If that don't work, then you do what? Bring two or three. Now, here's what I have to help us establish. That means we cannot be a church that don't follow the word of God, but expect God to bless this church. We have to make sure that we're following the word of God. So what do you do? If a person comes to you and tells you, bruh, 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 oh, uh, bruh, did you hear what she did, bruh? Bruh, she, did you hear? Did you hear what she did, bruh? If somebody come to you with a sin somebody else has committed, and you want to make sure God blesses your relationship, you need to first ask them, wait, bruh, before you tell me anything, have you gone to that person first? No, 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 no. But, bro, I mean, I was just coming. To, no, no, no. I don't want to hear anything if you have not first gone to that person. So I'm sorry to tell you, but I got to cut the conversation. I don't mean it to be disrespectful to you. I'm not trying to cut you off. I don't mean to be short, but I'm not going to continue in a conversation where, it, where you have come to me before you've come to, before you take it to that person because that is out of the will of God and God will not bless a church full of people that talk about other people behind their back but do not look to restore people. Amen, son. All right, all right. So no, no, I'm sorry, bro. Hey, look, don't, don't, no, 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 no. And ain't nothing wrong with telling nobody we're not talking about that. You go to them. And once you go to them, if they don't listen, you might want to come to me and bring me along with you. But you cannot talk to me before you go to that prayer. Man, all right, all right, all right. Listen, listen, verse 18. Now, 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 here's what I have to say here. He says, but if they don't even listen to the church, bring it to the church. You treat them like an unbeliever and a tax collector. That is, if they don't listen there is now a change in relationship. A change in relationship. I watch my attitude, but because you continuing in that sin, now there's a change in relationship. That is, tax collectors, tax collectors and unbelievers, they did not have relationships with the citizens. So now there is a change of relationship. And if I hear your silence, I hear your silence. Because you're saying, Ross, you mean to tell me that now our relationship got to change with them? That's what God said. Now you ask, why, Ross? You mean we're just going to flip the relationship and change the relationship like that? We better. Let me tell you why. Do you know what happens to your body when there's cancer in one part of your body and the doctors don't take care of it, the cancer begins to spread throughout the body. And I'm, let me just put it this way. How many churches have been torn up because there have been people that have been openly sinning and disrespectful to God? And there are people that sit back and act like they don't know nothing, they ain't seen nothing, I'm going to let them do me, and I'm going to let them do them. I'm going to do me. I ain't going to even say nothing. When you do that, don't be surprised when you look up and the sin that they were committing, not the person next to them think it's okay, and the person next to them think that it's okay. 
And then you look up and you see a new normal. And you're saying, where did this come from? Is it possible because we did not do what God told us to do? The reality is there is a change in relationship. Now, wait a minute. It's not a change to excommunicate. It is not a change to hurt anybody's reputation. It is a change so that you might be restored back to the, amen, back to the Lord. We are doing this not to hurt you. We are doing this to help you, and that is to, for you to be restored. Now, here's the question I have. How many of you have been in the church for your entire life, how many times have you seen this happen? And then the question becomes, why? And how many churches have literally been destroyed, torn up, relationships torn up? Just a church full of folk that think they can do whatever they want to do. And that is with no repercussion, with no church discipline, absolutely nothing. And the question becomes why? It's because God gave us the outline. Amen, somebody. Mm, here it is. Now, now, now. Here it is. Ross, man. Ross. Hey, Doc, man, that's all, man, bro. Woo, we going to do what now? We got to change the relationship, man? Yeah, bro, we have to. Ross, that's tough. You sure? We have to. Well, Ross, what does Jesus say? Jesus says, I assure you, Whatever you bind on earth is already bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is already loosed in heaven. Now, in some translations, let me be clear. This is, let me help you. This is why you never marry yourself to one translation of scripture. Because some of your translations say this. For whatsoever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now, if you read that that way, what does that sound like? It sounds like that we could do some stuff on earth that changes heaven. Let me say it one more time. For whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. So it sounds like we can do some stuff down here that can change heaven. That's not what he says. Jesus says there's a surety when you do things the way I told you to do them. That is, whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven. Lord, have mercy. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying, Jesus is saying, what I am telling you to do is all right with me. Because what you are doing right now down here, I already said it was okay up in heaven. Did y'all get that now? So, so go ahead and do your church discipline down here. Go ahead, go to him. Take two or three. Then change the relationship. But there's something you got to know. When you do that, I already told you it was right up in heaven. Did y'all get that? Now, secondarily, look at the second part. He says, again, I assure you, if two, if two of you on earth agree about any matter, it will be done by my father. Look at verse 20. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there. Can I teach y'all right here, please? All right. Let's go back old school. You remember um, you go to church at 6 o'clock service, 6 p.m. on a Sunday, and uh, you remember uh, 
Some of y'all say, really? I ain't know. <laughs> yeah, you go to church 6 p.m., and you remember you're, you're sitting there, and amen, that's what they call what, the, the faithful saints, amen, the, the faithful few, and you're sitting there with about six, seven people, and then whoever is going to get up there and, 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 and introduce or, or open up, they say, uh, listen, oh, Lord, our numbers, ooh, our numbers, they, they like today. Uh, listen, um, well, that's all right, because the Bible says, Y'all already quoting it. Amen, somebody. The Bible says, wherever two or three are gathered, there I am in the, in the midst. Y'all heard that before, right? Yeah, yeah. Amen. Two, three people. Okay. F. Let me introduce this word to you. That's not a new word, but I want to make sure as we move forward together, you understand. Even when I preach or teach the way I do. There's a word that has to be involved with everything we do, and that word is context. Let me be clear. You can make the Bible say whatever you want the Bible to say. Oh, y'all don't think I'm talking about? Huh? Can I talk about some of our ancestors? How they were strung up and beat to within an inch of their life, and that master was holding the Bible in one hand and a whip in the other hand? Come on, somebody. Huh? What about, let's talk about, let's talk about uh, um, the KKK that says that this is our God-given right. Come on, somebody. You can use the Bible. You can make it say whatever you want. But what keeps us honest and integrous to the word is a word called context. That whenever a scripture is quoted or, or mentioned, you have to make sure that you understand that no scripture can be interpreted in isolation. You cannot just go to a passage and read it and make it say whatever you want for it to say. That scripture is in a context. That is, it is, first of all, within the Bible. Then from the Bible, it's within a testament. From the testament, it is within a book. And from the book, it is within a section. So the question becomes, how does this verse fit in the section, in the chapter, in the book, in the New or Old Testament, and in the Bible? That is context. Essentially, what comes before the scripture and what comes after the scripture? So here's the question. Why is it that this morning nobody in here thought anything about only two or three of us being in here when I just quoted that passage? It is because using it that way does not fit in its what? Natural context. Amen, somebody. But that's what we'll say, right? Amen. Amen. Wherever two or three are gathered, there I am in the midst of them. Well, I'm sorry, sir or ma'am. Can I ask one question? If you want to just take that and throw that in the air like that, I have one question for you. Okay? I don't mean no harm got a question. If the Bible says wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am, then where is God when I'm riding in the car by myself? What does the text just say? Wherever? It got to be what? Two or three for me to be present. So wait a minute, when I'm at my office desk and I'm praying to God, where is he? I thought it had to be two or three. Family, the context is, Jesus says, when you have to change relationship with that brother, I know that's difficult. When you have to take two or three others and deal with this, I know that's hard for you. When you have to step outside your comfort zone and confront sin so that it does not spread through the body, 
I know that's hard for you to do. But I need for you to be assured of two things. Number one, what you're doing right now, I have already sanctioned that it's right in heaven. And number two, I need for you to know that when you are there in the room with that brother, it is you and him. And you need to know I am there with you. When you take two or three along with you, you need to know when you're sitting down trying to restore that brother or sister, I am in the room, Lord have mercy, with you. He says, when you have to change relationship and begin to treat them like a tax collector or an outsider, you need to know that while you're doing this very difficult thing, don't be afraid. Because you have gathered in my name. And I am there. In the, y'all get that now? In the midst of you. Family, I'm saying to us this morning that we must make sure that as we practice church discipline, as we practice forgiveness, that we are doing things God's way. And if and when we do things God's way, God promises us, I am going to be there with you. Now, church, let's go back and review. Listen, why am I going to you in the first place? I'm going to you not to be malicious. I'm going to you not to call you out or put your stuff on blast. I'm coming to you because I love you and I want you to be restored. But you didn't hear me. So now, guess what I'm doing? I'm bringing some other spiritual folks with me. We ain't come here to jump on you. We didn't come here to hurt you. We didn't come here to mess up your reputation in the church. What we say here is going to stay here. We just coming to you in order to restore that relationship. But we see that that did not work. So now we bring the issue before the church. We ain't out here to blast you. We ain't out here to put you on social media and make you and, 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 and blast. No, no. We are here because what we want to do is we want to, for you to develop in Christ and continue to grow as our brother. We're not trying to change relationship with you to hurt you or belittle you. We're doing it because we want to be right with God. And when we're right with God, God will continue to bless us as a family. Family, if we do it the way God wants us to do it, his promise to us in verse number 20 is when you do it my way, I am there in the midst of you. Family, I don't know about you, but let me be clear. I can't be the preacher in this church without the help of God. We can't be the church we're supposed to be without the help of God. We can minister to the community. I need God's presence everywhere I move, when I wake up, when I go to sleep at night. I need the power of God working in me. So, Lord, I will do whatever it takes for you to always be with the Avenue F Church of Christ. Amen, somebody. Amen. Amen. Now, church, I got to go back to something, though. Let me just leave it right here. Listen. This might be hard to do, and some folk, they, folks, folk, folk will get mad at you. But did you hear what she did? Hey, bro, no. We ain't going there. If you didn't go to them first, mm -mm, I don't want to hear it. Go to them. Talk to them. You ready? Because sometimes all it was was a misunderstanding. And now something that could have been taken care of in one conversation, now it done blew up, amen, somebody, and it's huge and big, 
and it could have been handled at a microcosmic level. Amen. So listen, listen, we're here this morning, and God bless you for being here. But if you're here this morning and you find yourself needing help in being the Christian that God has called you to be, listen, we're about to pray, and we will pray for you this morning. You're here this morning, and you need help in your relationships. Maybe it's not a church relationship. Maybe it's a marriage. Maybe it's your children. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's your neighbors. But you need help in your relationships to be the forgiving person that God has called you to be. We're about to pray this morning. You're here this morning, family, and you are not a Christian. What I mean is that you have not been baptized in water for the remission of your sins, added to the body of Christ, given the gift of the Holy Spirit. We will baptize you in water today. Family, hear your preacher. Let's do it God's way. People have hurt you. You feel like people have mistreated you and used you. They have belittled you, or you might be on the other side. You might be the person that people, that, 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 that you've done the hurting, or you've done things incorrectly, and you need to ask God, number one, for forgiveness and the church to pray for you. We'll pray for you this morning. F, let's do it God's way. And when we do it God's way, God's promise is, if you're gathered in my name, I'm going to be there. In the, is that a blessing? Amen. Ain't that a blessing, somebody? That's a blessing. God bless you. We together stand and sing the song chosen by our worship leaders. God bless you. So, so hope.